Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show, ladies and gentlemen. We are excited to have today's guest uh, because he is challenging the establishment GOP, and we would love to see him in the D.C. swamp uh, to get that challenge going. And I'm telling you, Oklahoma champion of Liberty, State Senator Nathan Dom is uh, challenging incumbent Senator James Lankford for his U.S. Senate seat this year. Nathan spent his childhood years in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, while his parents attended Bible school. In 1994, the Dom family moved to the Eastern European nation of Romania as missionaries to the former communist nation. Upon graduating from high school, Nathan returned to Romania to serve as a missionary. During that time, he actively served in each department of his local church and designed the 65-acre Bible school campus being built a few miles outside of Romania's capital city, Bucharest, while serving as the general manager. In 2003, Mr. Dom stayed on as general manager and added the position of dean of students for the Bible school's charter class, serving as dean for four years until returning to Broken Arrow. Upon returning home to Oklahoma, Nathan quickly noticed the changes facing America and the many challenges lying ahead. He became actively involved in the Tulsa County Republican Party and has served on the executive committee as a precinct chair and vice chair and as the president of the Tulsa area Republican Assembly. Nathan is self-employed with his own app development company and helps manage the cleaning company his family owns. He's worked in the past as an engineering technician for a local municipality and as a producer for Tulsa-based production companies. As a constitutional conservative, Mr. Dom draws heavily from his experiences in the formerly communist and currently socialist nation of Romania to inform people of the failures, perils, and evils of socialism. He is one of the few homeschool graduates to ever serve in the state senate. He serves on the General Government Committee, the Finance Committee, the Veterans and Military Affairs Committee, the Business and Commerce Committee, and the Sub-Appropriations Committee on Select Agencies. Senator Dom, welcome to the Rob Mana Show, sir. Thank you, Colonel. It's an honor to be with you. I really appreciate you having me on, giving me the opportunity. I know you have a lot of great experiences as well. I know you're a strong constitutionalist, so it's uh, an honor to talk with you and with uh, your audience uh, about the Constitution and what we need to do to defend our country, because we're in perilous times right now, for sure. Yes, we are. And I'm so excited about your candidacy, by the way. Uh, 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 transparency up front, folks. I'm the chairman of a political action committee called Gator Pack. And uh, Gator Pack is endorsing Mr. Dom for U.S. Senate against James Lankford because we have got to stop these people that get elected to office as Republicans from not acting like Americans when they're in office and protecting our liberty, which is their number one job. The number one job at the federal level uh, or any level for an elected official is to protect my liberty and your liberty. And if they're not doing that, which they are not, then it's time to remove them and put somebody in who has the courage to do that. Man, I'm excited to have you on the show, Nathan. Uh, my best to you and your family. Uh, I really uh, am interested in your background. and and uh, But the first question I always have to ask a uh, a political candidate for a higher office is, why are you doing this in your own words? Absolutely. I mean, that's the best question to ask uh, because so many people get into uh, running for office, being a candidate because it's all about themselves. 
Uh, that's what their focus is. We see that time and time again. Um, for me, um, the, the main reason is uh, my wife and I, we prayed about it. We felt like this was the, the next step in where we could best serve uh, the people of Oklahoma, the people of this country. Um, that's the, the main reason that we actually got into this specific race. Uh, but the reason that I do what I do, whether it's my current position in the state Senate or in this campaign for U.S. Senate, is exactly what you said. And I'm not just saying it because you said it. You can go and you can look at uh, any time I get an opportunity to speak as I've traveled throughout the state of Oklahoma, not just in this campaign, but in my entire time of service, I have always made it abundantly clear that the Declaration of Independence is our, our birthright document. That, that is what created and formed these United States of America. That's what it says, these 13 United States of America. Now, I'm a strict constitutionalist, but I go back to the Declaration because that's our founding document. And in that document, right after it says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Just as you said, that is the primary main focus of every level of government. If government has been instituted, whether it's your school board, your city council, your state legislature, your governor, the presidency, the Supreme Court, whatever the case might be, if it is a government that has been instituted, then it has a responsibility to secure our rights. So that's why I'm in this race. That's what I'm doing right now as a state senator. I am first and foremost about defending rights, especially those rights that are enshrined in the Constitution, uh, that are given to us by God, but protected by the Constitution. Great answer, you could tell, because I said it first, but <laughs> I really believe that. Uh, that's that's the reason why I'm excited to have you on, is that very few candidates for the U.S. Senate or the U.S. House have the courage to stand up and, and, and shove it in their faces when they announce against these establishment incumbents and say, you're not doing your job, uh, and here's the job you're supposed to do. And it's very clear in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution of the United States to secure our liberty and prosper and prosper posterity. You know, that's it, period. You know, national defense is listed in the Constitution. It's there for one reason, to secure our liberty. And that takes me to my next standard question for especially a U.S. Senate candidate. Can you win and how are you going to do it? Oh, absolutely. We can win. Um, if you would have asked anyone that about a year ago, they would have said, no, the incumbent is, is untouchable. But uh, more and more people have seen some of the, the missteps that he has taken, uh, the stances that he has taken, taken that, are, that, are, that are out of alignment with the, what the majority of the people of Oklahoma want. Uh, a lot of people don't realize some of the other stances that, that he has taken over the years, whether it's uh, supporting amnesty and not just supporting it, but actually pushing for it and promoting it. Uh, whether it's, you know, he's gotten involved in a lot of this woke nonsense of trying to rename the military bases or replace Columbus Day with Juneteenth or some of these other things that he's been involved with, you know, uh, bowing the knee to the woke cancel culture mob uh, or even the out of control spending in Washington, D.C. You know, it's not enough to have Republicans take control of the U.S. Senate. We need conservatives to take control of the U.S. Senate because right now one person is stopping the out of control spending in D.C and that's a senator from West Virginia, a Democrat that is stopping it. Well, what happens when Republicans take control and they wanna be putting us trillions of dollars in debt? We can't have these rhino establishment incumbents that are just gonna keep voting to spend us into oblivion. Most of what they spend the money on is unconstitutional, it's unsustainable, it's immoral. We need actual conservatives that will stand up and, and say no. Uh, even with recent polling, it has shown that the incumbent has constantly 
lost pretty much every new poll that they do. He's lost about 10% uh, of the voter base. Uh, so he's very close uh, to being underwater, actually in support within the Republican primary electorate. So absolutely, we can have a, a path to victory. Uh, I have the proven record. I'm the only candidate in this race that is actually a proven conservative. And the other thing that I like to tell people is that, you know, all these candidates, and people have seen this, I'm sure, it happens in your state as it does in every state, they all campaign as conservatives because talk is cheap. It's a whole lot harder to walk the walk. And what I like to say is the hardest thing is to actually fight the fight. And I have actually led the fight on numerous things of not just saying I'm pro-Second Amendment, I actually got constitutional carry passed here in Oklahoma. Not just saying I'm pro-life, I actually passed the law that would say that no money, no government money from cities, counties, universities, no government money can go to Planned Parenthood. So I don't just say these things, I've actually done it and advanced liberties and protections here in the state of Oklahoma. That's what we need is somebody who will stand up and fight, not just talk the talk, not just give nice floor speeches and then work behind the scenes to try to stop conservative measures. We need somebody that's actually going to fight for us. And that's what I've proven to you. I think that's what people want. I think that's what they liked in President Trump. He was a fighter. I think people want somebody who will actually stand up and fight, whether it's fighting against the media or fighting against these rhino Republicans. Uh, I know you've been willing to do that, to, to call them out. I think that's what people really want. So we are very excited about this race. Well, we see the consequences when the rhino Republicans, uh, former Democrats, many of them, like my first opponent, Senator Bill Cassidy, uh, when they win, uh, and the people of that state or whatever district their voters don't listen to uh, the folks that have very good backgrounds, very good records, not necessarily in politics, uh, usually long careers. Uh, but then if the voters don't listen, you end up with a guy like Bill Cassidy who voted to convict Donald Trump in his second impeachment on a false, totally false charge, even more false than the, than the first one, in my opinion. So you know, uh, those folks are not protecting our liberty and, and you are right to step up. But your party can't be very happy with you, right, Nathan? Well, they, they haven't really for the last several years, because even when I've been in the state legislature, I have not just towed the line with establishment. Uh, I give example after example of when I've stood up to Senate leadership. Um, for instance, several years ago, um, we had a revenue shortfall here in Oklahoma when oil and gas had bottomed out again. And so the Republican leadership solution was to raise taxes, even though they all campaigned on lowering taxes, even though they all campaigned and said they would not vote to raise taxes. All of a sudden, they found themselves in this position where it was OK to raise taxes. And so they had advocated for a half a billion dollars in new taxes rather than cutting spending, rather than doing reforms that were necessary. Um, in fact, they came up with this plan that where they were going to do three reforms and raise taxes for a half a billion dollars. They ended up dropping off all of the reforms, never did any reforms, but they raised a half billion dollars in taxes. Now, I stood strong the entire time. I voted no on every tax increase. I said, no, I'm not going to support this. And they, they threatened me. They said that, hey, if you do these types of things, you will lose your chairmanship. You will lose your leadership position because I was mm -hmm. an elected whip within the caucus. And I said, well, I'm not up here for the title. I'm not up here for the title of chairman. I'm not up here for the title of whip. I'm up here to stand for my people. So I voted no on every single one of the tax increases, stood strong against it. We stopped it for several months. Eventually, they cut a deal with the Democrats, got the Democrats on board to give the Democrats, you know, some, some horse trading mm -hmm. deals in exchange yeah. for the taxes. The Democrats were voting no because they wanted higher taxes. <laughs> and so they were able to cut a deal with the Democrats. They got the, the, the tax packages passed, and then they removed me from a chairmanship. 
Now, I was elected by the other members of the caucus into the leadership position, so they went ahead and they changed the rules for the caucus. Illegally, they changed the rules and made all those positions appointed so they could get me out of it because I was elected because I do have actually some um, appreciation or a healthy at least fear or respect from from my other colleagues but leadership has constantly done those types of things so i lost my chairmanship i'm not up there to be a chair i'm up there to stand for the people but they do these insider games and we need somebody that will stand against those games not play those games that will vote no on the debt ceiling increases that will vote no on the yeah. continued and i've proven that i will do that no matter the consequences yeah we need more of that, you know, if every Republican had stood up and stuck to the principles they probably ran on in the in the state legislature in Oklahoma, uh, those tax increases probably wouldn't have well, they wouldn't have passed, uh, you know, and uh, and that's the challenge. So, which is why I support uh, putting constitutional conservative candidates in all levels of office, uh, just like you. Uh, so, Mr. Lankford, let's let's move to another subject. Uh, January sixth and election integrity and domestic terrorism and those kind of things. Now, now I was surprised when Mr. Langford said that he was going to stand up on the Senate floor and, and uh, object to the Electoral College vote, which uh, pleasantly surprised, by the way. But then when the riot occurred, uh, not an insurrection, it was a riot, and it looks like it was instigated. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm only laughing because it's ironic. Not, be not because it's not a serious subject. It is a serious subject. I'm really angry about that riot happening because it, 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 it caused things like weak people uh, that have no spine, like Mr. Lankford, to do something that he did, which is he withdrew his objections. And he, he, de he declined to speak on the floor of the Senate about those objections. And a lot of other Republicans did too. Matter of fact, they all did, in my opinion. Uh, and then we of course, got the Electoral College uh, vote counted and approved that night, you know. Uh, so where are you at on election integrity and uh, what Lankford did as opposed to what he should have done, which is stood in the breach and stayed in there and said, no, this isn't terrorism or an insurrection. It's a riot. And it was probably so, caused yeah. by government provocateurs. So on all of that, on, on January 6th, for those that don't know, Senator Langford was giving a speech on the Senate floor when, when the riot happened, when the Capitol was breached. And so they shut down the session. And he previously to that, he had said he was going to vote against certifying the Electoral College votes, at least in, in certain states, because that is what the majority of Oklahomans want. The vast majority of Oklahomans, including especially Republicans, but other, Repub other, other Oklahomans as well. And so it wasn't just a partisan thing. The majority of Oklahomans wanted that. So he was under immense pressure to, to vote against certifying the election. Um, what it appears is that he was looking for a reason or an excuse to not do that. Now, he had publicly said he was going to vote against certifying the election. Then the right happened. It, they came back into session. He said, well, now because this happened, I'm just going to go ahead and vote to certify the election, which is what he ended up doing. Uh, so a lot of people say he flip-flopped on that. Or as you said, it seemed like he didn't have the backbone to actually stand up. The truth is, with all of, with with the electoral college vote, the Constitution says that the state legislators set the method for choosing electors, and we saw in numerous states that that was violated. We saw states where the the ballots had to be postmarked by a certain day, and a judge said, "Well, I'm going to extend that date out three days." Well, a judge is not a member of the legislature. 
a judge cannot just change a law that is passed by the legislature. So the constitutional method for this was not followed in numerous states. So whether or not a riot happened, no matter what else could have happened that day, I would have stayed consistent, um, which I said even before January 6th happened. Uh, and on January 6th, I was actually giving a, a speech at the Oklahoma State Capitol, and I said if I was in Washington, D.C., I would vote against certifying the election because they didn't follow the constitutional parameters. So uh, I would have stayed consistent in that. I would have voted against certification. Um, on election integrity overall, absolutely I support uh, the, the calls for a forensic audit. I've actually filed a bill here in the state of Oklahoma to do a forensic audit of our elections. Uh, I've called for more election security measures, even though Oklahoma has done voter ID and we have secured some things. But a lot of this is issues that has to be fixed at the federal level. Because, you know, if Oklahoma has voter ID and Colorado keeps doing universal mail-in vote voting and, and continues to cheat in that way, that it, it, it dilutes or steals away from the votes of the people of Oklahoma that are doing it the right way. Uh, so I have been a constant supporter of election integrity. In fact, after the November election, within three weeks, I filed several election integrity bills uh, to try to rein in the, the out-of-control issues, even in other states. And so I, I've been working on this for, for before anybody else, before it even became popular, to talk about it um, because I've seen it. I mean, you know, having lived overseas, um, I, I know that old adage from, I think it was Stalin, that said, I don't care who votes, I care who counts the votes. And so we, we know exactly. that. Exactly. That, you know, there are three issues outside of the constitutional issue, and, and that's the most important one, why the Electoral College vote really should not have been certified. And, and, uh, and the proposal for Vice President Pitts to, to not, uh, count the, not, not count those votes, but to ask those states to take another look at them because of these judicial decisions uh, that were extra-constitutional, uh, that that is perfectly within the deliberative process of their electoral college. You know, I know we like instant stuff uh, in this country today, but if you had asked a founder, I guarantee you a, a writer of the Constitution would have said, absolutely, sure, if there's a question in a state as to the method of the choosing of those electors, and if it was against the constitutional requirement, then that state's votes should be looked at again and questioned uh, to ensure that those electoral college votes either can be counted properly or whether there should be another election or whether they should be thrown out. That's a deliberative constitutional process, and vice presidents are not ceremonial in that, in my opinion. Uh, and, and that's the most important reason why I think that people like Lankford should have gone ahead and objected to this electoral college vote. Uh, and, and, and all that they've done, really, Nathan, is allow these Democrats and leftists, and I just call them communists now, they're American communists, uh, have been able to have their what's called a Reichstag moment where uh, the same situation where Hitler used the burning of the Reichstag uh, to take over the entire government. The Democrats are trying to do that, too. Uh, using their select committee, and they've got some collaborators like Liz Cheney and, and little Adam Kinzinger, who I'm a, uh, embarrassed to say is a part of the U.S. Air Force that I served in for 33 years. Uh, and, and it's a complete farce. It's extra-constitutional. Uh, it has 
been given powers that are not supposed to be in the legislative branch, uh, and it's a complete farce, and they're making a farce of the investigation. I don't know if you saw that Kinzinger came out defending Ray Epps, who's the only American citizen on tape January 5th and 6th telling people to go into the Capitol. And he's doing it from Capitol grounds on January 6th. So he's breaking the law, but Kinzinger has the guts to say he's not breaking the law. And he, we appreciate him coming to talk to us. Well, I call bullshit on that. Uh, the, the FBI, uh, all kinds of other law enforcement and intelligence operations had to have been going on uh, around this incident. And will you... My question for you, and I ask this of everybody now that's going to the federal Congress, is will you take some action to try to file a bill to force communications between the senior legislative decision makers like the Speaker of the House and law enforcement and Homeland Security and all of those things uh, when it comes to the security of the Capitol to be forced to be able to be made public record? Because now, right now you can't do a Freedom of Information Act request for that information, and they won't release it. And that's how the Capitol Police are withholding 14,000 hours of videotape that shows for a fact that it was not an insurrection, that it, most of these people were peaceful, and likely shows that the police were using brutal tactics and that may have even caused the death of at least one woman and did cause the death of another woman who were unarmed peaceful protesters by the standard of 2020 anyway. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, I have been a huge advocate for transparency since I've been in the Oklahoma state legislature. Um, in fact, I filed a transparency bill, a government accountability bill that our, our, um, our former governor, who was a Republican, but she was a rhino, uh, she actually vetoed the bill three times. It passed overwhelmingly in the legislature. It was about transparency. She vetoed it three times. I kept running it. Um, we got a new governor. I got it passed, and it's brought some real transparency to Oklahoma. So I am all about government transparency and accountability. These people are supposed to work for us, so we should be able to see what they are doing behind the scenes. Uh, so I fully support that. I agree with you on the, well, I heard it referred to the other day as the Fed direction. Um, because that's, you know, uh, I mean, there's, there's evident, uh, video footage out there and different things that, that would make it appear. And just the fact that so many of the people that were involved have not been charged, that obviously there's some sort of connection or protection, um, by the feds. Uh, I was doing an interview the other day with a, don't want to call him a journalist because that's not what he was he, <laughs> because of the way he pro proposed his questions, but he was somebody in the media and he, you know, he said, he said, well, there's hours of footage that show that these people are guilty. And I said, well, and there's, you know, thousands of hours of footage that have not been released that could show that they're innocent. And he's like, well, that's ridiculous. We have it on footage, on, on video footage. You can see exactly what happened. I said, well, if that's the, if, if you want to make that argument, I said, obviously prosecutors will edit footage. They, they will use select clips of footage because we just saw that in the Kyle Rittenhouse case where mm -hmm. that prosecutor was manipulating footage and using select portions of footage to try to prove guilt for somebody that was obviously innocent when we saw all the video footage that was available. So yes, there's, there's thousands of hours of footage that should be released that will show the true picture of what happened on January 6th. It was not an insurrection. Absolutely not. Uh, it was, you, you couldn't make the claim that it was a riot, but you're going to have to see who started it, who initiated it. You know, yes, there, there was some violence. Yes, there were some people that were harmed and injured, but so far, like you said, 
the the one woman that was that was murdered uh, was unarmed and it was totally unnecessary that she was shot and killed um, for for her actions or the actions of anybody else on that day. But it seems very apparent that the feds were highly involved uh, in what took place that day and trying to instigate it from the get go. Yeah, and I understand. You know, I don't support anybody that broke the law. You know, uh, but uh, Darren Beatty at Revolver News, which is the the pieces that you're referring to as far as the Fed surrection, I think he came up with that. We have to give him credit. He came up with that term, I believe. Uh, he, he actually uh, shows, and so has Tucker Carlson and, and several other media outlets, have shown the video of Ray Epps whispering in a young man's ear uh, at the time that the riot part of this process really started, which was the first removal of police barricades out on the lawn of the Capitol. Uh, and, and that young man that Epps whispered in his ears, the first one, along with one other person to go up and remove a barricade. Uh, so that really gives me question uh, as to what is going on. And we should be able to get access to all communications all communications, because, you know, pe people in the select committee are, are accusing President Trump of not being responsive when we know for a fact from Cash Patel, who was the chief of staff for the Department of Defense at the time, that the president made available 20,000 National Guardsmen on that day. Uh, we know it for a fact, even though the big media, is good, they already are out there trying to say, no, no, they didn't do that. Well, we know it. So we've got to get access to all that information in every single minute of the video because there's nothing secret in the Capitol. I've been all over the place in it, under it, around it. Uh, there's nothing secret about their security measures uh, and, except for who the hell wrote the policy that a Capitol police officer could shoot a woman in the head, in the neck when she's unarmed, even though she is coming through a broken window that she didn't even break. Somebody else beside her broke, and she's surrounded by police officers behind her. Now, I want to see the policy that enables that, but I can't get it because Pelosi says, no, it's a legislative deliberative process, and you're not allowed to see that. I understand the, the legislative process, but we need to be able to see information about the operational control and decision-making about the security of that capital, especially on that day, uh, and all the communications between all of the officers, uh, regardless of what organization they were from, and between the officers and the political leadership uh, with Nancy Pelosi and the mayor of D.C., all of those things, we must see and have access to that. Because you know those text messages are out there. The phone calls are recorded when they come into the command centers. We know that. Uh, and we have a right and a responsibility to demand that from our government. And that's why I want to send people like you up to D.C. Let's stay on this subject for just one, a little, a, a couple minutes, Nathan. And I want to get your take on the prisoners in, in what's called the D.C. Gulag. A, a lady named J, uh, Julie Kelly from American Greatness has been reporting on the prisoners and the charges extensively for uh, this entire time. And she's really... Uh, the one responsible for uncovering, uncovering the inhumane treatment of these prisoners who are, who are being charged with things like trespassing or parading or interrupting a meeting and those kind of things. They're not being charged with violence, a lot of them, and they're being held in pretrial confinement when you have murderers being let out with no bail in this country. Uh, 
uh, and it's incredible uh, people not getting medical treatment that they need. And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about a cut on the hand, I'm talking about cancer uh, and those kind of things uh, or the medications they need or, or on the right diet due to medical reasons. Uh, and it's incredible what's happening to these prisoners. Look, I fought the war on terror. I was in the Pentagon on 9-11. I spent my entire last part of my 30-something year career fighting against the Islamists and uh, those kind of things. And I wouldn't have cared if we had treated those prisoners like that, but I couldn't because it's my responsibility to follow the law. Mm -hmm. And our own citizens are being treated worse than we treat Islamic jihadist terrorists that have attacked our country. And it's incredible in my mind. And look, again, I'll say it again. I don't support anybody that broke the law. What I support, though, is due process and the appropriate protection of rights and the appropriateness of the fairness of our judicial system, which we appear to have two different standards in. One if you're on the left and one if you're a believer in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. And it's those of us on that that President Biden just said the other day, we're domestic terrorists because we don't agree with max vaccine mandates and we don't agree with the, his election and, those, and we think something was wrong. Where are you at on all that? So I, I filed a bill um, right before the anniversary of January 6th because I knew that the, 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 the media was going to be pushing this narrative of an insurrection. And so I filed a bill on January 4th. Uh, saying that um, here in Oklahoma at the state level, saying, I called it the Prohibition on Political Prisoners in Oklahoma Act. And what it would say, it said that that none of the January 6th detainees, um, it, unless they were charged with a felony, because that would have been the violence aspect if they, if, you know, if they had attacked a, a law enforcement officer or something like that. But um, none of them could be transported through the state of Oklahoma, either over our highways, through our airspace, or anything like that. We were not going to allow that to happen. Because these are political prisoners. This this is a politicized DOJ that is targeting these people because of their political affiliations. This is not about justice. This, like you said, many of these people have been detained for longer periods than what their sentence would be if they were found guilty of whatever that is, that misdemeanor of parading or you know uh, being in a secure building without permission. Even though, like several of the people, the people have actually been charged with being in a secure facility without permission even though we know that law enforcement personnel, Capitol Police officers, held the doors open for some of the people entering the building. And yet then they were charged with entering a building and being in a, remaining in a secure building that they didn't have access to, even though they were given access by law enforcement personnel. So this absolutely is a, these are political prisoners. They have been treated terribly in many places. So I'm doing what I can at the state level saying, okay, we're not gonna give you access to our roads. Uh, it's, we're going we're gonna to stand up as a state and, and push back on the feds, try to hinder you from investigating any of our citizens here in Oklahoma uh, that might have been involved on January 6th. Uh, there are federal uh, prisons and detention facilities here in Oklahoma. We're not going to allow you to transport prisoners through those facilities. So I'm doing what I can to push back and stand up at the state level. There have been some members of Congress and some senators that have stood up at the federal level, but not nearly enough because I've seen what this is. I mean, this is the beginning of that, that Stasi secret police type of, of situation where they will come and knock on your door and in the middle of the night, I mean, 
we've seen it with Roger Stone, no matter where you stand on him, where they tipped off the local, or tip, tip off CNN to be there so that they could show this commando-style raid and these types of things. This is a politicized DOJ, and it is fundamentally contrary to the principles of liberty and what we were founded on as a country. So um, I have been very vocal um, in opposing this. I, I like to mention and point out to people, there is actually a federal law, federal statute for insurrection. Not a single person has been charged under that federal law with insurrection. So if this was an insurrection like the media claim, why aren't these people being charged with insurrection? Because it wasn't an insurrection. Because it was instigated most likely by the feds trying to cause use this, as you said, as their Reichstag moment to be able to say, look at this attack on democracy. And that's something else I want to hit on real quick, because they call this an attack on democracy. Well, that is fundamentally false because you can't attack something that doesn't exist. We are not a democracy in this country. We are a constitutional republic. We have never been a democracy. We will never be a democracy, if I can have any say in that. We will continue to be a constitutional republic. So they say this was an insurrection, uh, chipping away at the very foundation of democracy. It wasn't an insurrection. We are not a democracy. We are a republic. And they are trying to use this, politicize this, so that they can consolidate more power, so they can go after their political enemies. Just like Obama did with the IRS. Just like we've seen example after example of them politicizing different entities of government with government bureaucrats coming after the people. So I've done what I can at the state level to try to put a wedge between us and the feds to protect the people of Oklahoma. You better believe I'm going to be doing the same thing when I'm in the U.S. Senate, not just for the people of Oklahoma, but for every constitutionalist throughout the country. I'm going to make sure that they are fully protected by any means necessary. Well, that gets back to the subject of liberty, Nathan. Uh, and, you know, uh, I hate to tell you, but the Stasi's already here. I mean, they went to Alaska and did a no-knock uh, at ODART 30 on a couple that they misidentified from some facial recognition video and, and scared the hell out of them. You know, that's the Stasi right there. I mean, it's that's not a Roger Stone. Roger Stone was a highly publicized thing, intentional they got a lot of mileage out of that to scare people. But these folks, they're just regular Americans. Their phones happen to be in the D.C. area. Well, my wife wouldn't let me go up there because we were, we were building our house down here. And it's fortunate that my phone wasn't in that area because I'd probably be on some terrorist no-fly list at this point because I'm outspoken and I'm going to continue to be outspoken against this government. And I'm going to work to defund these agencies and remove them from our government. Uh, as a citizen, and I'm going to demand uh, they address my grievances. And the, my number one grievance is this lack of due process, this attack on our liberty, and that gets to the pandemic response and Biden even saying that if you oppose a vaccine mandate, you're a domestic terrorist and I'm going to sick my FBI organization that I just created on you. Well, that's bullshit. And I need people like you to go up there and put your shoulder to the wheel and have the courage to stand out there every day and say no to Mitch, the Mitch McConnells and, and the Kevin McCarthy's. But you know what? Kevin McCarthy just put his priority list out there and it says nothing about protecting liberty. January 6th, political prisoners, critical race theory in our schools and, and parents being attacked as domestic terrorists by the Secretary of Education for God's sake, and the Attorney General of the United States. None of those are the priorities for Kevin McCarthy going into his 2022 race, and that is a problem. Those should be number one in the stopping vaccine passports and these types of attacks 
to turn this country into someplace like Australia is now, or worse, the old Soviet Union or Nazi Germany, I'm going to work till the end of my days to prevent that from happening and to remove people like this from our government. Absolutely. I'm going to work right there alongside you. Um, as, as you talked about in my bio and my background, I've lived in Eastern Europe. I've seen it. I know people that had family members taken in the middle of the night by the secret police. I know people that had family members in the main square uh, when the revolution happened, when they finally deposed the dictator that had family and friends that were killed by the secret police during that revolution when they were able to take to remove communism finally and to remove their dictator. So I've seen this and so I've, I've seen the long-term results of that. Uh, when we first moved to over to Romania, one thing that was surprising was um, we noticed that uh, our apartment was on the seventh floor and every time we'd go through the main door to the apartment uh, complex, we'd see somebody looking through the peephole on the first floor apartment. And uh, we asked somebody about that, that we're like, is it, you know, is it just kind of a, a nosy neighbor type thing? And they said, oh, no, no. The first floor apartment was always given to the member of the Communist Party because they were the, they were the informant. So they would be able to watch everybody coming in and out of the apartment complex and they'd be able to spy on them. They'd keep tabs on all of them and they'd give reports to the Communist Party. So they created this, this spying on your neighbors, this distrust of your neighbors, that this whole system and scenario. So I've, I've seen that. I've experienced that. I know what that's like. And that's what they are trying to do. They're, they are trying to, Marxism is all about class warfare. And it's generally about trying to say those that have versus those that have not. You know, the poor versus the rich. The problem is that that's never worked here in America because even our poor here are some of the wealthiest people on the planet. Even those that, you know, we, we do have a huge middle class, even though they're trying to destroy the middle class, uh, they are still trying to make that class warfare uh, based on, on financial status. But yes, we have the super rich here, then we have the ultra rich, and we have the rich, and we have the very wealthy middle class, and the well-to-do middle. I mean, we have so many different classes, if you want to separate it into classes, they haven't been su succeeded in doing that. So now they are trying to do a class warfare by separating us into the, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. Or they're trying to do a race war based on the color of our skin because that's easily identifiable, right? You can look at somebody and you can say, hey, that person has a different color skin on me than, than I do. Well, if you judge the person based on that, you're a racist. If you acknowledge that we have different color of skin, you're a human because that's just reality. Um, but the other thing is looking at how they're dividing us based on the masks. I think that one of the main reasons they push the mask mandates is because you can look and see if somebody's wearing a mask or not. So they can divide us into classes. Hey, wait, you're not complying. You're one of those. And so we can see that they are trying to cause this separation. They are trying to cause a race war or whatever the case might be um, because they are trying to tear down our country. That's what Marxists have always been about. And just because we defeated the Soviet Union in the, in the Cold War doesn't mean that Marxism and communism went away. It just changed. It went underground and it started infiltrating our schools and all these other things. And so when you talk about these members of, of leadership, and I use that term lightly because they're in a leader position, but they aren't leaders. They don't lead. Um, I've seen it here at the state level. You know, we, I, I introduced the very first bill to prohibit critical race theory in Oklahoma. In our schools, in every level of government, I, 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 my bill said no critical race theory. The Republican chairman of the committee said, well, I can't hear that bill because if I do hear the bill, I'll be called a racist. My response to him was, well, I don't know where you've been living the last three years, but if you're a Republican, you're already being called a racist. No matter what you do, yeah. everything is called racist. That's the, the main terminology that the left likes to throw out there. 
Now, we eventually, despite leadership's objections, we were able to take over a House bill, put some language in it, and at least prohibit critical race theory here in Oklahoma, in our schools at least. But the reality is we have supermajority control here in Oklahoma's legislature. We have over 75% control of the House and the Senate. We have the governor's mansion. We have every statewide elected office. Uh, so we should be easily able to pass these types of things. The biggest problem has been these rhino Republicans in these leadership positions that stonewall or hold up these measures. And I, I'm tired of it. And the thing that I tell people is that these these rhinos, they have this mentality and they, they actually say it publicly sometimes. They say, that's not the hill to die on. And when you say that, what you're saying is that you're not willing to fight on it because I've been in a lot of political battles and I have not died on any, <laughs> any of those hills. Okay. They've, yeah. they've tried to, they've tried, they've tried to kill me politically and, you know, you know, they, they've tried to sabotage my reputation. They, they've done character assassination. They tried to do all those things and it hasn't been successful. Okay. So that's an excuse when they say that's yeah. not the hill to die on that. What they're saying is they don't want to fight on those hills, but I like to borrow from a sports analogy. You miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Well, you lose 100% of the hills you don't do battle on. And so what we've seen is the left has taken over hill after hill after hill, whether it's entertainment, whether it's media, whether it's education, whether it's professional sports. I mean, who in the world thought that the left would be able to take over professional sports? One of the, you know, one of the manliest things. And now we have these bristed, you know, uh, spineless, you know, leftists who have taken it over now and, you know, have their mottos and slogans painted on helmets and at, you know, at, at half court and in end zones. It's ridiculous, but it's because Republicans, rhinos, um, have refused to step up and do battle. Here at the state level, I'm, I'm known. One, one, one reporter asked me one time, they said, you're kind of, you're, you're known as a lightning rod. Why is that? I said, well, that's because when all the other people are cowering over in the corner because the storm's coming, I'm the one that's standing up and leading the charge against it. So yeah, I'm the one that's standing up. I'm the tallest in the room. I'm going to get struck by lightning first. That's what's happened when you're a lightning rod. But we need people yeah. that are willing to stand up and push back and fight these battles on every hill. We just don't have enough of us, but a few people can make a difference. So that's why I'm in this battle. Yeah, these are, this is an attack on, on individual liberty and the liberty provided... Uh, outside of our natural rights by our governments. Uh, it's a pure attack on that. And if liberty's not the hill you're going to die on, then there is no hill you're going to die on, rhinos. Uh, so you need to get out of politics and let somebody in that will take the hill, uh, no matter how many people die on the hill, because that's the kind of attitude we need. We cannot let this happen. The vaccine passports issue I've been working on a task force for several months now, almost a year, uh, that's trying to stop the U.S. vaccine passport, the digital passport, because that digital passport software in five minutes can be turned into the equivalent of the Chinese social credit system, which is used just like the Stasi, except for you have artificial intelligence doing it for you, and they can get to everybody. Uh, and, and it's incredibly nuts that our elected officials, especially in Washington, D.C., are not railing on this every single day of the week. And they're not. No Democrats, no Republicans. Look, there are some Democrats that still say they believe in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, and they're not doing it. They're all acquiescing. And, and that's what I want. I want to hear people in power be able to say, we're spending your tax dollars on this stuff. Stop spending my tax dollars to take my liberty. 
That's what we need to see. That's the message we need to hear from folks on Capitol Hill. And yeah, I think you're right on the money. You know, uh, you mentioned your time in Romania again. I've mentioned it. Uh, and living among a people that were under strong communism and now under socialism. You know, uh, that, that makes you a very good candidate to work national and international foreign policy and national security issues. Uh, and uh, I'm glad you're on the Veterans Committee because then you could be uh, also exper you're experienced in, uh, uh, in national defense and the Department of Defense, the Armed Forces and those kinds of things and the issues that our, our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines and Coast Guardsmen face today, uh, which are many, not to mention the woke issue and communist Marxist policies that are over being used within the U.S. military. Uh, but what's your approach going to be at the national level as a senator uh, and uh, uh, on foreign relations? You know, China, Taiwan is an issue. Russia, Ukraine, Biden shows nothing but weakness. He's he's the Neville Chamberlain of the 21st century. I said that about Obama. Uh, but really, it was Joe Biden pulling the puppet strings uh, of national security in the Obama administration, in my opinion, based on what I'm seeing today. Uh, that's unacceptable. We cannot allow this country to get dragged into another world war where millions of people are killed uh, and even more than what happened in World War II. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I fully agree with you. Um, one thing that I know um, as a as a student of history, having lived overseas with these things, um, is that bullies, whether it's an individual or a country, the only thing they understand is strength. They understand somebody that's willing to stand up um, and just say no. Uh, you don't have to throw a punch. You just have to have the capability of doing that or be willing to stand up because bullies are cowards. That's what they ultimately are. Um, they are weak. They are scared. And so they, they try to project strength, but they know that they don't have it. And so we need to be able to project strength, not weakness. And Biden has always projected weakness, whether he was VP or um, when he was a U.S. senator, uh, Obama projected weakness. And what that does is that empowers and, strength and, and, and encourages and strengthens our enemies because they, they sense that weakness. And then they will take the opportunity to prey on other people that don't have the strength or the capability to stand strong. So um, I fully support having a strong military. Um, I, I support, you know, um, supporting our allies with, uh, with military equipment, with intelligence, those types of things. Um, I, I, I have no problem stating that Taiwan is a separate country. I know that hasn't been the policy of the United States, but I have no problem saying that uh, because they are. In fact, sometimes I'll refer to China as, as West Taiwan uh, just because I know the Chi-Coms don't like that. I've visited Taiwan, so I know that they are a strong ally of ours, um, but we cannot allow ourselves, like you said, to get dragged into another another war because of weakness. We have to be able to show strength, and uh, so in order to do that, we have to have a strong military. Uh, kind of going back to what we talked about a little bit on these, on these vaccine mandates, uh, I believe that one of the reasons that they are forcing the, this vaccine mandate upon the military is to try to purge out those conservatives that uh, would not comply with unconstitutional measures. And so the, those conservative members of the military are saying, hey, this isn't constitutional. I have a religious objection to this, and I'm not going to do this. And they're trying to purge those people out because throughout history, we've seen 
that um, if there's people in the military that are willing to stand up for the people and, and for the Constitution, that's not what tyrants want. They want fully compliant uh, law enforcement or military forces. So I think they're trying to push out those conservatives out of the military um, because they don't want people that'll stand up against unconstitutional dictates, but they also don't want people that'll stand up and say, this is the wrong path we're going. Uh, we shouldn't be focusing on this wokeness, LGBTQ crap in our in our military. We should be focusing on strength and projecting strength and upholding the Constitution. So, so many of these things are tied together in, in how they're trying to gut our 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 military uh, for for all kinds of potentially nefarious reasons. Uh, primary one being that I believe that that obviously Biden and a lot of people in in our federal government are compromised by by the Chinese. They are more, more beholden to the Chinese uh, than they are to the American people, and that's a disgrace. Yeah, you mentioned professional sports. The NBA is uh, completely compromised by the Chinese. Uh, uh, if a player speaks out yeah. against China, they're attacked immediately by their Not own. Completely. Not completely, because there's 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 Enos Cantor Freedom. He's the only one that's actually calling yeah. them out, calling out LeBron. But yes, well, overall, vast well, there's one or two. There's one or two guys that yeah. have have guts, but beholden uh, to China. Yeah, they are totally beholden to China. So I'm glad you have those positions. And and you know what? Uh, if you have to have good, strong, logical, reasonable national security positions uh, in order to take these leftists on these American communists that are trying to drive our foreign policy into one of weakness. And, and the, the frightening thing about it is, you know, with the Afghanistan withdrawal debacle, which didn't have to go that way. And I supported the withdrawal completely when President Trump put it on the thing. It was way too late. But that debacle didn't have to happen that way. And every one of our adversaries and, and near-peer competitors looked at that, and they're watching that. And now they know that this person in this office and his team are so weak, nothing will be done except for a lot of bluster uh, if uh, they take action. And I think you'll see China and Russia start making some movements here after the Olympic Games, uh, uh, which we shouldn't be participating in, or any other free country's athletes be participating in. But unfortunately, they'll probably get away with it unless the pandemic uh, uh stops the games altogether. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell folks how they can uh, find you online and donate to you and those kind of things. And then I'll let you go because I know you're very busy. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate everything that you've done. I know you've been leading this fight and for liberty for a long time as well. So I do want to recognize that and appreciate what you're doing. Thank um, you. People can reach me on all social media platforms. Just search at Nathan Dom, N-A-T-H-A-N-D-A-H-M. It's right there on the screen. Uh, but I'm on I'm on Getter. Yes, I'm still on Facebook and Twitter until they you know ban me or whatever. Uh, it's a means to an end. So I do still use all social media platforms. But they can also visit our website. It's domforsenate.com. That's D-A-H-M-F-O-R-S-E-N-A-T-E.com. Domforsenate.com uh, slash donate. They can visit our donation page there to make a donation. They can see our launch video where I talk about having experienced, you know, communism and socialism overseas, um, why I am in the battle that, that I am in for liberty right now. I would appreciate their support. Um, I will say this. When I first ran for state Senate, I was actually outspent four to one by the establishment candidate. Uh, he was very well funded. He was handpicked to, to be the next state senator for this district. Uh, but I outworked him. Um, I'm very frugal with my finances. I don't need the most money, but with the campaign, we always need more money. 
And so um, I'm very wise in how we spend our, our campaign funds. I'm a fiscal conservative in all areas of life, including in my campaigns, uh, not just with how I spend taxpayer money at the Capitol. So I'd appreciate their support, uh, even if they're not in the state of Oklahoma. Obviously, one U.S. senator can make a difference for the entire country. Uh, what we do, we don't just vote on things that impact just our state like Oklahoma. We vote on things that impact everyone, and we need somebody that will stand up there. I've proven that I'll stand strong. So I appreciate your endorsement. I appreciate your support. Uh, I appreciate Gator Pack getting involved. Um, I didn't know that the Gators ate rhinos, but um, I'm excited to hear that. And so um, I, I appreciate uh, everything that you've done. Uh, again, people can visit domforsenate.com. Find me on any social media platform. I appreciate the opportunity. I, I look at this as partnering together because we need somebody to lead the charge. Not all of us can be in that position in that elected office. We need somebody that will do that. And so I ask you to, to partner with me, just like the founders in the Declaration said, pledge to each other their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. I ask you to give a portion of whatever fortune you might have uh, to be able to help me to fight and defend your rights and liberties. That's what I'm about, and I appreciate your support and your prayers. And thank you, Colonel, for everything that you're doing in the cause of liberty. Well, good luck in this campaign. And uh, we're certainly pulling for you here uh, because you are a lightning rod for liberty. Uh, and that's a good way to, that's a good place to be. Uh, stay that way even when you get there. And I believe you can get there and you will get there if uh, uh, the American people and the people of Oklahoma see through the rhino facade of weakness. Thanks a lot, Nathan. We appreciate you having you on and uh, good luck out there. Thank you. God bless. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was State Senator from Oklahoma, Nathan Dom. Great show today. Uh, like I said, he's a lightning rod for liberty. We need men and women that will be lightning rods for liberty at all levels of our government. And I would love to see that guy in the U.S. Senate fighting for Oklahoma and for all of us and for our liberty, which is what their number one job is. So Oklahoma, get out there and vote for Nathan Dom, the lightning rod for liberty, a champion for your rights instead of a champion for big government and big corporations. Until next week, I'm Rob Minas.